0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Fairy Conclave. This is episode number 67. I am your host, Alec. My pronouns are he, him, and joining me on the line is a very special guest. It's Joey. How are
1: you doing today, Joey? Hi, I'm doing very, very well. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a real treat.
0: Honestly, it's a real treat for me. I have been listening to your podcast, uh, the EDA Trekcast, for years at this point point, um, oh, wow! <laughs> and it, it's one of my favorite podcasts for magic it's it's one of the ones where as soon as an episode gets posted i'm like all right here's what we're doing on my
1: lunch break today oh man that <laughs> that, that that warms my heart a lot thank you uh it's it's been really awesome to see the the show's uh wings uh spread and and for it to uh, take off the, the way that it has I'm, I'm we're really pleased with it it's a really really fun show to do um, so, I guess uh, let me do a more proper introduction for Sounds myself. Sounds good. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Joey Schultz, uh, he, him, um, and I am the lead editor for the content branch of EDH Rec. I host the EDH Rec Cast, a podcast where me and my co hosts look at all the data that's on EDH Rec and try to give all of those stats and percentages and popularity metrics more context within the world of the Commander format. Um, and as a warning, we are all about data and dad jokes so many puns it's it's a little bit pun bearable um (laughs) but i'm also the lead editor for the article content on edh Trek, and i make additional content with my co-editor chase aka mana curves on the edh recast youtube channel and one of our favorite series is one called upping the average we're just up to a whole bunch of extra content for edh Trek. it's a really fun time
0: yeah i I'm a huge fan of all of it. I very much enjoy how it's uh, a lot of, like, data and very data-based and all of that with an engineering background myself. It just, (laughs) it it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, yeah, I get really excited when there are graphs involved, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And it's also great, too, because, you know, I mean, it is a lot of data, but it's also, you know just data and I mean sometimes we think that people are playing cards too much or that there are cards that are super underplayed so that's one of our favorite things to do as well is not to just take the data as quote the correct thing but we'll we'll sort of investigate it more we'll interrogate the numbers a little bit more and see is this revealing something like do we feel that this is true about our experiences playing the format is this something that is overrepresented in the format for some reason is are these cards that people just don't know about but they ought to what are these cool hidden gems it's just a, a terrific time
0: yeah, I I love the uh challenging the stats segments. I think <laughs> that especially when they're kind of precons related, I often find a lot of cards in the, in the precons that are he, like heavily represented in data and you're like, mm-hmm. maybe this really shouldn't be here. Like let's kind of talk about this. I think uh yeah, not taking the data at face value is really important. And yeah, and it's always entertaining too to kind of uh, trash on on cards you don't like, or try to like bring uh, your pet cards up to the forefront a little more.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's we've got a couple of different terms, a couple of different patterns that we see. The precon effect, like you just mentioned, is one of them, where cards might be popular because they showed up in a precon, and like if that commander had come out in a regular standard expansion, then maybe those cards wouldn't be in their deck data. But since they were sort of attached uh, to that card at its initial release, like they kind of have a a pairing up that. Isn't necessarily warranted. Um, in in the future, you kind of hope that maybe those numbers will change a little bit, or I don't know, gives you yeah. stuff to challenge, um, stuff to stuff to continue to explore. Uh, I guess would be a way to say it. Um, but then it it is difficult too to you know. <laughs> there are cards where I'm just like, oh well, I think that's overplayed. But then one of my co-hosts <laughs> will be like, no, Joey, that's not overplayed at all. That card's amazing, and I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, like oh, we yeah. because everyone has their their favorite pet cards too. Um, yeah. So it's really funny to discover each other's uh, sort of thematic preoccupations within the game while we're talking about the stuff that we see as trends over the entire format. So there are a lot of uh, personal predilections that we each have that you get to see as you are investigating more of all of that data. It really reveals not just a lot about the format, but also a lot about yourself. And I find that very edifying too.
0: That's exactly why I like Commander so much, is it's this beautiful like Venn diagram between data um, and just kind of personal feeling and like putting yourself into your decks um, mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. you know I'm always like okay we need 10 of this type of card like 10 uh, removal spells 12 ramp spells things like that very like numbers and based. but then I'll play the deck a few times I'm like okay yeah I feel like it needs more of this uh, yeah. Wait
1: a second. My commander is Tatiova <laughs> and she draws me so many cards that why am I playing 10 draw spells like that? Exactly. Kind of there's, yeah. There's all these little nuances that can really affect those balances. It's it's tough. And one of the only things that's ever going to teach you the best lessons is the actual practical experience and not a bunch of numbers on a spreadsheet. So that's one yep. of the things we like to to dig into. Um, and yeah, personal experience is going to trump it every single time. It's uh, very, very difficult, but super enjoyable. Again, that's like you said, the personality that you get to infuse into the game is uh, it's so terrific. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I love it so much. It brings me so much joy and yeah, it's good. Um, <laughs> and so you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I wanted to quickly go through our community spotlight for the episode. So this is where we shout out another uh, content creator. yeah, because we have magic has such a wonderful community, and we love to talk about it and Uh, shout people out and so you mentioned the upping the average youtube series which you do joey and it's on youtube um so that's what we're going to shout out today because (laughs) i i think it's super valuable information for when you're building one of those commanders for example uh, i think your most recent one was ishin the new attack harmonicon commander yeah 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 you went through a a couple like rules non-bows that happen with that attack trigger And that's something that I maybe wouldn't have noticed building that commander. And so I think things like that are super valuable for uh, people who are looking
1: to build those commanders. Yeah, it it is. (laughs) I I think I was saying before we officially started recording, I I was so overjoyed to see um, how the response to that series has been. Because I was kind of sitting on that idea for a while. And Mm. I was kind of under the impression that I might be the only one who actually liked the idea. But I started doing it and it really took off. Um, and it's it's delightful. So uh, for what I do in that series is I take the average deck data, which is compiled by all of the metrics and all of the stats on EDHREC. You know, it will see that oh, this commander usually plays. You know, the the average deck shows us that the average. Uh, this commander on average plays 25 creatures. So it'll take the 25 most popular creatures or it plays, um, you know, this many lands and it'll take that number of lands. And it sort of all throws that into one big average deck, which is a really fantastic feature for folks who don't want to worry themselves too much about optimizing a deck. They really just want to get down and play a game ASAP. Give me a list. Um, Like, I don't want to futz around with the deck too much. Let's just get a list and go. Um, And that's a really great feature for a whole lot of folks. And it illuminates a lot about the ways... Um, the most often pattern, the most common patterns for that commander too, but you know it's a bunch of averages, and yeah. that's why for me I was like. Well, I think we can tweak some of those, though. So I take that average deck list, I put it into a deck building website and I go over it. I play test a lot with it and I'm like, what are some things that I think could take this from being a good start for a player and take it to a great start for someone? What are some other things that maybe aren't well represented in this commander's data just yet that it could be playing a little bit more that aren't very high in its numbers, but should be? And what are some cards that therefore, when you're making tweaks, you have to cut something? What are the cards that maybe aren't serving this commander as well, given its current build? Um... And so, yeah, there, there are very commonly, there are some rules non that you might run into because a card looks like it might work one way, but it doesn't necessarily work that way. And I really like to use that as a um, an opportunity to highlight very interesting things about rules for a commander. But I also just like finding hidden gems. That's one of my favorite aspects to that series, too. Um, so, yeah, the the reception to it, honestly, has been um, really, really heartwarming and I, I, I love doing it. It's easily one of my favorite parts of working for Trek is being able to craft that series in addition to the podcast, in addition to editing all the content. But The Upping the Average has really been um, my, my darling over the course of the past couple of years, and I'm so happy that people love it so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy to see a new episode every time, and uh, I think it's super valuable information just because um, when you take averages of things, just in general, it can kind of come out a little... Um, a little strange, and so taking an yes. average, and um, yeah, and just kind of going through each card and talking about uh, like uh, like these types of cards work great in this deck, and like no judgment if you're playing them because it, you know it still does stuff and it works. But uh, there's like a little interaction here or something there that you might want to consider a different type of card in this slot type of thing. I also appreciate how you always do a uh, like reducing the budget section. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know it can be a, a bit scary when you pull that average deck list, and it's like nine hundred dollars, thirteen hundred dollars. But then when right. you really look into it, it's it's uh, you know a fetch land and a couple other like five cards that that's... are contributing. To yeah, that.
1: that's that's one of the things that is so interesting to me uh, about that series too. Is that so? The rule for my series is that I can't. Um, make any swaps that would increase the overall price of the deck. If anything, I want to try and keep it neutral or I want to lower the the cost if I can. And then very frequently, I'll also do either honorable mentions for very budget cards or I'll do an entirely... I'll have two deck lists for the episode where one of them is the more budget list. Um, Because yeah, you you pull it up and it's like, here's a a starting deck that is $300 and that looks like a lot at, at first, but like, I mean, most precons these days are starting at like 250 or something, right, I think. Yeah. Um, something to that effect. I don't know the exact number. But yeah, you'll pull up a list and they'll be like, alright, this starting deck is $700. And it's like, alright, well that <laughs> looks a little bit intimidating. Let's investigate. Oh, it turns out that if I cut the land base, which has all of the shocks and the triumphs and the fetches and all of those, I cut out over half of that price and if i cut out these other if i cut out the stefairi's protection and the smothering tithe i save another hundred dollars so the the culprits for that huge price tend to be consolidated in just a few cards it's not like the deck is all made of ten dollar cards it's a bunch of things that cost a quarter and then a couple of outliers that cost like 50 40 bucks um so yeah that's another really fun aspect to the to that series as well is um kind of challenging myself to uh find weirder cards that aren't super popular because you know it's not a direct correlation, but super popular cards can have an effect on a card's demand and therefore its price. Um, but it's a challenge for me. But it's also just practical. Like I don't want to spend yeah. seven hundred dollars on a new deck. <laughs> <laughs> like if I am genuinely building this commander, I don't want to drop the seven hundred bucks on it. A, a budget-friendly approach that helps me get started with the deck is going to be a whole lot more useful to me. So I want to. Uh, yeah respect the folks who are playing at the level that the average is representing and the folks who are trying to get into it without committing super hard with their wallets to it as well. So that's also extremely fun.
0: Yeah, I love it. I, so I have one question about a lot of the decks I see in the series that I'd like Mm -hmm. to get your take on. So whenever I build a commander deck, I always start with 38 lands, which is just like, uh, it's a lot, it's a little bit too much probably for some decks, but I feel like just starting there is, is always a safe place. And sometimes I, I like get a little worried when you pull the average deck data and they're like thirty-three lands, thirty-two lands, and
1: it's Dude. like a five mana commander. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> that, that that happens a lot. And there are some cases where a lower land count is justified. You know, an elf right. tribal deck has so many mana producing cards in the ninety-nine, in and amongst its elf elf tribal cards, that it's gonna be you know, you don't want to to flood out necessarily, but there is a definitely a tendency that I see in that series where it's just like starting deck is 34 lands and I'm just like, okay, but the commander's seven mana. How is this happening?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this necessarily. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, that's uh, a, a thing to tackle. Again, that's why, you know, it's just averages. Um, right. And you yeah. have to find something that will actually suit you. And, and it's also really interesting. I mean, there are some commanders that I don't know how to do a video about at all, such as Atraxa, for example, because the mm-hmm. average for Atraxa, you're going to see you know 25% of players are doing super friends and another 25% of players are doing infect and another 25% of players are doing <laughs> plus one counters and if you average all of those out you're going to get a big mishmash hodgepodge but like I, like that that's that's <laughs> that isn't a properly representative of any one of those strategy styles or players decks so yeah yeah the, it, there there are um, a lot of interesting things that you can learn but averages are just averages and that's again you know the the point of creating content for EDH track is to investigate all of those numbers a lot more because there's a lot more that you can find when you are critical of them too, so that you can personalize the stuff so much more.
0: I love it. Yeah, I think it's super valuable. So yeah, anyone who's out there who uh, maybe hasn't seen this YouTube series yet, I will have a link um, to it in the episode description below. So definitely go check it out, especially if Joey has done
1: one of your commanders already or one that you're (laughs) thinking of
0: definitely yeah go watch those
1: videos I, I, and I, I love getting requests I, I love seeing uh, mm. folks so excited um, it, and it's great too to see folks who are just like oh I don't even want to build the Erd dragon, but I would loved watching your thoughts about how this deck works and, and stuff yeah. like that and just like ah oh, that, like, that is one of the best comments I think you can ever receive for anything that you do is that folks are still loving it even if it doesn't necessarily apply to their stuff but like I do want to make stuff for people that is useful so if you've got requests I love hearing them I, I would love to know what people want me to tackle next
0: Yeah, definitely. And even if you're not building the decks yourself, I've had friends who, um, like, one of my friends is working on an Ishin deck right now, and I was like, okay, here's the link, you gotta check out this video, because uh, Joey goes through the whole thing, and I, like, I watched it, I'm not building the deck, but I thought it was super interesting, so,
1: yeah. That's very kind, thank you.
0: Of course, and yeah, so... That was our community spotlight, and so I guess we should get into Joey. Why uh, you're on the show exactly today, um, <laughs> which is for a Commander Deck interview. So uh, yeah, yeah. At, at the Fairy Conclave, we love to do Commander Deck interviews because it, it gets a really nice like deep dive into somebody's uh, somebody's favorite decks, and uh, it, it's really cool. I think you get to see a lot of somebody's personality when they talk about their deck, and um, and it's just fun to talk about Commander decks. So. Uh, Yeah, my my first question for you, Joey, is could you tell us who your commander is today that we're going to talk about and a little bit of the
1: background of what inspired you to build this deck? For sure. So I am Mr. Graveyard um, amongst... Uh, most of the folks that I play with my my meta, I guess you could say um, which includes my family my entire family plays, my brothers, my stepdad and my mom, and they all know that I am the necromancy guy I put the romance in necromancy Um, amazing I know, I'm insufferable, I'm sorry. Um, so when in Midnight Hunt, the commander Wilhelt the Rock Cleaver was released, I took interest because he's all about zombies. So he's the four mana, 3-3 three, three zombie warrior in Demir, and he says, whenever another zombie you control dies, if it didn't have decayed, you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token with decayed, which can't block, and when the decayed creatures attack, they sacrifice themselves at the end of combat. And at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice a zombie to draw a card. So he just he omnoms on some zomzoms. <laughs> he just slowly <laughs> fills your hand and your graveyard. And so I I took interest in this guy, which is actually a little unusual for me. I mean, I love the graveyard, which is what, you know, got me got me curious about this, but I'm not usually a tribal uh deck player. I don't usually yeah. like elf tribal or goblin tribal or dragon tribal. Those don't usually appeal to me, but this commander for some reason did. And I started looking at it i saw the Bricon. i was like maybe let, let's try this out and then despite myself i fell head over heels in love with this deck so much and i um it's, it's just so great i because i love reanimator strategies i love mm. cheating stuff into play and and we've seen dozens of zombie tribal decks before and usually yeah. again, tribal decks it's not a vibe that i'm, I'm not usually on that wavelength but Wilhelt is, is beautiful. He's he's a little card draw engine in the command zone that also helps me sacrifice stuff and makes a bunch of tokens. He's beautiful. I just want to eat your brains. I just want to eat your brains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I So I've been really excited for this deck to talk to you about it because I think we have a lot in common when it comes to play styles. Um, I'm also, uh, like, in our meta, usually the graveyard person. You know, I never leave home without my animate dead in my deck.
1: <laughs> Yeah. And,
0: yeah, and we've also interviewed a couple other zombie commanders, like we did a Scarab oh. God uh, on the show, and we've also done a Geese and on the show before. Thinking about those, and I also have a Scarab God deck, but uh, recently I've kind of felt a similar way where uh, kind of, I don't know, the tribal elements just don't really resonate with me as much as um, as I thought they would, I guess. And so I was thinking about Wilhelt, and I think out of kind of all of the zombie options, it's like the most zombie-y that ever zombied out of the, this pile <laughs> of zombie commanders, and um, is also a zombie itself, which is kind of unique compared to the other ones. So That
1: is that is yeah. true. Yeah, Scarab God, Geeson, Jeralph, there are a couple out there that uh, aren't necessarily members of the same tribe. Um, And and I think we've also gotten to understand a lot of what some of the others do. You know, Grimgrin is very uh, Mm. commonly associated with being a combo deck because he has this specific thing that you can do with a rooftop storm and a grave crawler. Um, Scarab God is sometimes uh, almost more of a control deck than he necessarily, quote, needs to be a zombie tribal deck. Um, But then Wilhelt is... Here, being part of the tribe and making new members of the tribe. He replaces your stuff when it dies. And I think that, to me, is the ultimate appeal. I love the resiliency of necromancy decks because it means you can never get rid of me for good. (laughs) I, I will make zombies if you wrath my board. That is so wonderful. If you strike me down, I will rise again more powerful than you can imagine. That sort of thing. So go ahead, wipe my board, but I'm going to get a couple extra decayed zombies left over and they're going to they're going to hit you back. I'm going to get I'm going to get the last word in. And it's just a a delightful extra threat on top of it that I just think makes for such terrific and and, and wonderful styles and opportunities for gameplay. It's also extremely thematic to
0: zombies because they're they're zombies like they're hard to kill. So, yeah. And and one thing that will uh, when it was kind of first Previewed. I I think I was pretty down on decayed, uh, decayed mm-hmm. zombies and things like that. Um, but since then, I've played a lot with uh, Jeddar the Ghoul Caller, which makes decayed zombies every turn. And uh, I, I've been loving that card in my like Aristocrats decks and other um, decks that just need creatures because uh, sacrificing, like, being forced to sacrifice them when they attack is going to trigger all of your sacrifice effects and all these other things that you have going on. And I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, you only get to attack once? That's silly, but really it's like you want them to be sacrificed a lot of the time.
1: Yes, yeah, your undead auger will uh, trigger whenever a zombie dies, so you'll draw more cards or... Uh, Oh, Lord, what is it? Vengeful Dead is another one. Mm. Vengeful Dead and Plague Vulture both make your opponents lose life whenever your zombies die. So, okay, I'll attack you, deal some damage, my zombies will fall apart, and you'll lose even more life. Um, Not to mention, you can use those as sacrifice fodder for something like a victimize to sacrifice a creature and bring two other creatures back. Yeah, there's so many uses for these extra tokens that you're you're supplied with. I, I love them so much.
0: Me too. Yeah, I've become a huge fan, and... Uh, I've recently been playing a lot of Eloise, Nefalia Sleuth, which is a really fun, um, yeah, Demir Commander that cares about sacrificing tokens and creatures specifically. And uh, I've been looking at a lot of Decayed cards and playing those because, yeah, just sacrificing your creatures, triggering your commander's effects, getting all these things. It's really good. Yeah, I'm a big fan. The next question I've got is, uh, this one is, uh, I'm interested to see because this is a pretty recent commander that has come out. Um, But I'm sure since you first put the deck together, you have made some swaps or some changes as you played it. So do you have any kind of uh, cards that you'd like to shout out that maybe you tried but didn't quite work? Uh, Anything like that?
1: Sure. Um, but I think that most of these will just be uh, personal choices, and they mm. like there are going to be folks who will hear, "Wait, you cut that card? I can't believe you. That card's so good." And like it, it's true, a lot of the cards that I cut are objectively good zombie tribal <laughs> cards, but there was a, a specific style that I was uh, searching for. So basically, a lot of the non-zombie cards are the ones that I ended up have. I, I've removed quite a lot of those over time, such as. Um, the original Ghoul Caller Gisa or Gisa and Giralf. Um, I even decided against acquiring a Scarab God, for example. Um, gotcha. I think the only I think the only non-zombie card I'm playing right now is Species Specialist because he just draws me so many cards when my zombie yeah. tokens die, <laughs> um, and th- and that's so many cards that it overflows the hand. So I discard to hand size, and that means I have more stuff in the graveyard to reanimate. It's delightful. But yeah, I just uh, whenever I cast like a Zombie Apocalypse, I don't want it to kill off a lot of my own creatures too. Uh, whenever I play a Lord, I want it to pump up all of my my creatures in play because this is kind of a deck where I want to be just as brainless as the zombies. I just want it to play, mm. and I want to laugh and giggle at the stuff that it's doing. I don't uh, want to think too, uh, t- too much about what I'm doing. I'm just like, this is zombies. I'm just here to have a funny time. <laughs> um, there are some, however, there are a few cards that I did end up uh, removing that I do think are worth investigating for a lot of other players out there, specifically Death Tyrant is the big one. Um, because he says that whenever one of your attacking creatures dies, he'll make you a new zombie token, and the mm. decayed zombies attack and fall apart during combat. That counts as an attacking creature that you control dying. So Death Tyrant makes new zombies for you, which is amazing. Wow. Um, you can also use like Teferi's Veil, so whenever you attack with stuff, it phases out the attacking creatures at the end of combat. So you can actually avoid ever sacrificing your decayed tokens at all, because instead they just cease to exist and come back on your next turn. And those are terrific cards. I've personally moved away from them because I was just kind of honing right in on just like, ah, I'm just going to play funny zombie stuff. Um, but those yeah. are some cool synergies that, while I've moved away from them, I think are definitely worth exploring for a lot of other Hell players.
0: I love it. I I think there is probably a really cool build of this deck that is centered around Teferi's Veil vale, uh, mm-hmm. and, and keeping all of your decayed creatures and zombies and things like that. I think, yeah, that's a really spicy one that... Uh, yeah, I, I never would have thought about this interaction, but that's really cool.
1: Oh, and, and I guess another thing I should say, too, is that another extension of this is that I also don't play any of the combos that Will Health has become a little bit mm-hmm. associated with as well. There's like, uh, I think it's like a poppet stitcher or poppet factory or something like that that like removes the decayed status from your decayed zombies so that it would make infinite zombies and stuff like that. Or there are grave crawler combos that you can do. And those are all terrific, but it's just not necessarily what I uh, was was after um, I actually ended up getting rid of a couple of different sacrifice outlets like carrion feeder for example because it made the deck very aristocratsy and again gotcha. I just want to eat some brains I just want to go chomp chomp <laughs> uh, with, with my zombies I just want to cast funny zombie spells um, so it's uh, again kind of like my brainless deck but those are all interesting yeah. uh, avenues to explore for for different players for sure but you know personalizing it for me I'm just like. I don't know what's going to happen. It's just a bunch of zombie stuff. And so that's that's the focus that I've uh, gone with it. And it just makes me giggle every single game. I love playing this guy so much. It's And,
0: and that's one thing. I, I think it's really good that you have kind of the purpose of the deck very like solid. And you kind of base the deck around that. Because um, something we talk a lot about on this podcast is uh, the quote unquote beginning of the night decks. Where you have your full brain power and you're you know mm. moving lots of tokens around. Um, that's usually when I'll play my sagas deck because there's so many things to keep track of when there are a bunch of sagas out that it's like, you oh, need yeah. a lot of brain power for that. And then there are the end of the night decks, which uh, for me, it's like mono green hydras and ramping or something like <laughs> sure. that. I just, yeah. I, you don't need to think about it that much. You just play out your things. And yeah, I think knowing kind of which, uh, which section your deck falls into and then kind of leaning into that is, it's a really good mm-hmm. way to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know, I mean, I've gotten from uh, a lot of the things we've talked about so far, uh, what you like most about playing this deck, but um, yeah, is there anything else you'd like to talk about as far as the kind of like goals of the deck and uh, what it's trying to achieve that make you like playing it?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, I think the thing I like most about playing the deck is that it's one of the decks that I feel most comfortable playing with my folks, with you know my whole family, mm. I mentioned all of us play, and it's my, my usual shindig in in Magic is a reanimator strategy, um, but I don't always feel comfortable playing that with my family because reanimator strategies are kind of easy to be absurdly broken to cheat a bunch of stuff into play all of the time. <laughs> That's uh, true. So. I like that this is a very straightforward strategy that lets me still do all of my necromancy stuff without necessarily getting too big for its britches, so to say.
0: Um,
1: true, yeah. And and again, I just love how resilient the deck is because the decayed zombies will let me have those extra bouts of weird stuff to do. Um, you know, after a wrath happens and I have a board full of tokens left over, I play a single zombie lord, and now all of those two twos left over are actually really dangerous. Um, I love. I love saying, yeah, I'll leave Will Helton the graveyard instead of putting him back into the command zone Ooh. because I'm going to cast a reanimator spell like a patriarch's bidding or a victimize just sacrifice one of those decayed zombies, bring back my commander without having to pay for it all over again. Those are some of my favorite moments. Um, and I'll definitely shout out the card Empty the Laboratory as well, which is a polymorph for all of your zombies. <laughs> so if you have a board full of tokens, you can cast Empty the Laboratory, sacrifice all of those tokens, and then it flips cards from your deck until you find that many zombies and you put them right into play. And it's, it's just so silly. It's so silly. So those are... It's wild. It's uh, an unpredictable mess of, of stuff that I can turn my brain off and play at a level that I feel everyone's going to be able to enjoy. I like that this is a deck that I can play where my, my opponents, my, my family, the folks that I'm playing, uh, watching um, on, on stream, um, on our stuff like that, like, I, I love how excited everyone gets when I'm, when we're playing this deck. It's not just a thing that I'm enjoying. It's everyone is going, wait, what do these cards do? Because they're so <laughs> wild. Yeah,
0: that's definitely what I enjoy too. I think in general, zombie decks are really good at uh, like slowly building momentum and then kind of reaching this point where it's snowballed so much that you can't stop it and there's just a ton of zombies. And uh, w- one thing that I think is really cool with Wilhelm specifically is just in the last three or four sets. We've gotten so many cool, specifically zombie cards, like Empty the Laboratory. Um, Mm -hmm. And a couple that I've played against a lot recently are uh, Necro Duality and Cleaver Scob, which those two
1: cards do some work. (laughs) Yes. So I am definitely playing those. And by the way, Cleaver Scob, I did not realize this um, the first time that I played with Cleaver Scob, but Cleaver Scob Let's you sacrifice a zombie to make two copies of that zombie it doesn't have to sacrifice a non-token it can make copies of the things oh. you've already copied you can sacrifice you can make tokens and then sacrifice those tokens to make more i actually found that out when i was on chase's stream mana curve stream and we were playing a game against aaron hansen of game grumps fame um and he i think actually is the one who pointed it out to me he's just like you can sacrifice that gray merchant of asphodel which happens to be a zombie um <laughs> you can sacrifice that to make copies of it, and then you can sacrifice the tokens to make more copies of it, and I think I die? <laughs> um, like, it was just this delightful, yeah, those those token cards are so good. NecroDuality is amazing. I've got reflections of Yara in there as well. Um, oh yeah, the the tokens Ooh. are... It, it's so... ah, oh, it, It's beautiful. It's, it's such an amazing piece of work.
0: That's funny. I honestly... I don't think I had realized that it was not non-zombie on that card. <laughs> um, and as soon as you pointed that out, I like... My eyes went straight down to... Grey Merchant of Asphodel, so... <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's a zombie! I can't believe he's Amazing. a zombie!
0: That's so good. Um, yeah, I, I think one of my other favorites from recent sets is Overcharged Amalgam. Yes! Um, so <laughs> sweet. Uh, two blue blue for a 3-3 flash, flying, and exploit, which I love to see exploit. That's always been one of my favorite mechanics um, for zombie horror, and when it exploits a creature, you counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability, which that's like chef's kiss for this deck
1: <laughs> oh yeah no beautiful
0: so one thing that i'm interested in is uh, zombies. zombie super resilient and hard to stop once they kind of get going but uh what are some of this deck's weaknesses do you think mm. that uh it maybe struggles against
1: yeah so the most obvious one is going to be graveyard hate <laughs> if folks are routinely yeah. uh Exiled in graveyards, it's hard for me to pull anything back out of it, especially if they're doing stuff that says, uh, like the rest in peace situation where if it would die instead, just exile it. So I don't Mm. get any of those death triggers off of my vengeful deads or um, my undead augers and stuff like that. That can really scupper me really hardcore. Um, I I would also actually say, though, uh, a weird not hidden weakness, but a, a strange mirror match weakness, maybe, of reanimator decks is precisely that. If I'm playing against another reanimator deck, it's kind of difficult for me to cast my own living death, because yeah. that Muldrotha player, that Marin player, they might get more stuff back than me. Um, and that's, that's, uh, ah, that's a little scary. Um, there, there are also, I think, other, other general strategies that, that kind of stand out. Like, if someone's doing direct damage with Punisher, or um, kind of a slinger vibe, um, like, Will health, uh, as you mentioned, uh, can be, you know, zombie tribal can take a little while to eventually, like, create its own momentum. So if something is coming out faster, uh, coming out the gate faster than I am, that can be something that is difficult to catch up with, especially because so many of my zombies make me lose life, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so that is also a thing. It's a difficult line to walk. Um, and I'll also have to shout out my mom's flying tribal deck. She's got a Kangi deck that is yes. all... All these things with flying. I have like one zombie that grants flying, so I'm usually very dead against spirits, <laughs> against dragons, against birds, against thopters. I'm usually uh, it's it's hard to deal with other stuff that's coming at me in the air until I find the right zombie to to help me out with all of that. So there are a couple of different weaknesses, strategy based, but also graveyard hate is always going to be the bane of my existence.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I feel very similar, um, and. It it's kind of funny how you have this this back and forth when graveyard decks are playing against each other because you mm-hmm. kind of it's it, an instant rivalry before the game begins because <laughs> I hate like I hate to do it but I I always put a bajuka like sliding my bajuka bog into my graveyard deck feels wrong yep. but like I know I have to do it
1: right Oh yeah yeah <laughs> I I play bajuka bog because I have to because I if I'm yeah. going to cast a living death I need to use a bajuka bog on the other person's graveyard so that I get more out of it than they do um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's this weird rivalry that sometimes happens in a couple of games. And like, wait, I'm supposed to be the graveyard player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, so it, this just made me uh, think of um, one thing that perfectly goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, when I was, I kind of restructured my Marin deck a little bit recently. And uh, your upping the average video on it was a lot of help. And one of the changes I made that was huge help was uh, adding Author of Shadows, which, ooh, it's this really sweet, I'll have to actually pull it up, I don't have it memorized, but um, it's a creature and when it enters the battlefield it exiles your opponent's graveyards, Mm -hmm. and for five mana, I think, and that seems like uh, kind of a lot for that effect, but you know, that deck also is running Living Death, uh, Rise of the Dark Realms, and things like that, and... Um, it, it feels weird to not want to cast those big spells when your opponents also have big graveyards, so
1: yeah. Yeah, a, a card that I use in my Marin deck is Twilight's Call, which brings everyone's mm. creatures back out under their own control, and so a card like Author of Shadows does help me mitigate whatever they might get, because I want to be the only one who's getting a bunch of stuff back. Like, this is a symmetrical exactly. effect, but I'm gonna make sure with the other cards in my deck that it's not truly a symmetrical effect.
0: Yes, yeah, that's exactly it, and um yeah and it feels like such a cool like one two punch when you exile everyone else's graveyards and then cast a living death because it's like <laughs> it's like a board wipe for them but like the greatest play for you oh man mm-hmm. that that graveyard stuff that just ooh, it gets me i love it so much yeah and then author of shadows also anyone out there playing graveyard decks take a look at it because you can also cast the cards that get exiled um from i think, your
1: opponent's I, I think graveyards. one of them he, he lets you uh take a single one of the cards that you get but i mean if yep. their graveyards are big, the world's your oyster. You've got a lot of options. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's a pretty terrific card, that guy. I love it.
0: OK, cool. And then for Help, back to Wilhelt, are there any notable cards in this deck that fill the more generic roles? You know, I'm always looking for cards that can draw cards, mana ramp, or be removal, things like that, but also fit the theme of the deck.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it is actually, it was surprising to me to discover how many of the zombies are themselves fulfilling a lot of those roles. Um, i mentioned undead auger earlier there's also arch ghoul of thraben or uh, let's see there's the species specialist which isn't a zombie but cares about my zombies dying yeah um midnight reaper is another one that draws me a bunch of cards when my stuff dies i actually have been really really loving graveborn muse in this deck as well which is usually a very dangerous card to play in zombie tribal decks four mana three three at the beginning of your upkeep you draw x and lose x where x is the number of zombies you control Ooh. so you could draw like an extra five cards and lose five life. And this is not a May ability. You have to do that. So if your board gets too big, this thing could be your own worst enemy. But Wilhelt has a sacrifice trigger right at the end step. So if you are worried that this card will be too deadly on your next turn, Wilhelt just lets you get rid of it right off the bat. So it's very easy to mitigate for a bunch of those things. Um, I'm also impressed by even some of the mana rocks that I'm able to like, I don't know if manipulate is the right word, but like Heraldic Banner is an amazing mana rock. Three mana, you choose a color when it enters, and then it taps for that color, and it gives all of your creatures of that color plus one plus O. And when you're making this many zombie tokens, that's so much extra power, and it's on a mana rock. It's amazing. I I absolutely just adore that. So yeah, there's a bunch of those things that really help... um, right from within the, the zombie horde itself are providing you a lot of the very things that you need. So you don't have to necessarily go out of your way to find non-tribal effects or spells, instant sorceries, artifacts, stuff like that, in order to fulfill those roles because the zombies are actually really good at it.
0: It's true, honestly. Um, oh, and I forgot to mention, but we will have a link to Joey's decklist in the description below. So definitely yeah. take a look. But yeah, I'm as I'm looking at these sections, it's kind of amazing how many zombies just do all of these things Um, Yeah, like we talked about Overcharged Amalgam, a zombie that's also a counterspell. Yes. Um, That's incredible. Or
1: or there are zombies that are removal, like Fleshbag Marauder is one of them. Noxious Ghoul is just an enormous powerhouse for this deck. Five mana, three, three. Whenever it or another zombie comes into play, all non-zombies get minus one for the turn. That's going to forever keep any enemy token players completely out of my way, and I'll be able to just totally demolish them uh the felstinger is another form of card draw that is a zombie scorpion crypt breaker yes. corpse auger there are so many things that draw you extra cards and, and I've also uh styled the removal um to be as zombie focused as possible too um so like I said I play this deck a little bit like i'm not i'm not optimizing this deck to the nines i'm, I'm playing it just like hey, you know this is a funny zombie deck so the removal spells that i've opted for here are cards like necromantic selection which destroys everything but you get to keep one of them and it becomes a zombie or necrotic hex is a personal favorite seven minute each player sacrifices six creatures and then you get six tapped zombie tokens so even the removal also helps wow. me sort of stylize myself for i'm gonna keep doing zombie stuff so i'm not playing a cyclonic rift because you know, Cyclonic Rift. I'm not gonna remember playing a Cyclonic Rift, but I am yeah. gonna remember that time I played a Necrotic Hex and made a bunch of zombies, and then the next turn I cast an Undead War Chief, and then suddenly there were all four threes, and boom, I attacked for like. Those are those are the stories that I'm so interested and in, invested in creating with this deck, and it's so hilarious to be able to do them because the zombies and the zombie support cards are doing all of this work. That I yeah, I just I don't know that so I anticipated good. how synergistic the tribe was until I actually built the deck and. I mean, I, maybe I, I, what I might need to do is build more tribal decks. I think I've been missing out on a lot of these, <laughs> these fun synergies because I've been so preoccupied with my reanimator stuff that I actually need to dip my toe into tribal strategies more because there are so many of these fun things that the cards themselves unlock so consistently.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely makes me think of what kind of hidden gems you can find because, yeah, I, I never think of Necrotic Hex as essentially a board wipe, but that also makes you a bunch of zombies for yourself. Oh, it is, it totally is, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, and I also wanted to uh, talk to you about the section of cards that uh, just give your other zombies like plus one, plus one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd really realized it, but uh, <laughs> there are so many zombies that give your other zombies plus one, plus one, or some kind of buff.
1: And they, wow! There are so many. <laughs> there are so many. I've, I call this section the cranberries because they're like my powerhouse <laughs> zombies that uh, that really just... They they take me home. But yeah, Blade Stitch Scob is a two mana. Uh, buff Up Zombies. Cemetery Reaper is a three mana. Death Baron is three mana. Lord plus one for all the zombies, and they get Death Touch. Diagraph Captain. Lord of the Undead. Uh, the Tomb Tyrant. Undead War Chief. Like, I also didn't realize how many there were, so but many, there are yeah. so many. And, and there are also really fun ones like Calculating Lich. Oh, my handsome prince. Calculating Lich <laughs> is... A, a, a beautiful boy, he's a 6 mana 5-5 five, five with menace, zombie wizard, and whenever a creature attacks one of your opponents, that player loses one life. So just by attacking, you're going to automatically get a bunch of damage before the damage itself even happens. And when you got a board full of tokens, it's really fun to play him. And it's even more fun to use Cleaver Scob to make two of them. I just, again, I, like, I'm getting these giggles about it because this is. I get all the feels when I play this deck because these cards are so silly. I yeah. love it. Yeah,
0: you'll, you'll definitely need to pull out a calculator when you start <laughs> working on that one. So good. Yeah, I. that's the kind of the thing is, because um, I, I know Merfolk have a lot of lords or at least are known for it. Elves do too, but it's kind of, it's really impressive how many you can get out. And once you get two, three, four of these out, it, it's going to be, like, your tiny little tutus are going to be a lot scarier than that.
1: And, and a weird, interesting thing that I've discovered about playing the deck, too, is that since there are so many of them, I tend to be less precious with them. Like, mm. I'm I'm kind of eager to sacrifice my, my tokens for Will Willheld's ability so that I can keep Omnom on the Zomzom and draw more cards and stuff like that. But the lords themselves are so replaceable because I'm always going to find new ones because of how... Like because of the sheer density of the number of them, that I tend to be a little bit more precious about the cards that are a bit more unique, like the Vengeful Deads or one of my card draw engines or or stuff like that. Um, so that's an interesting byproduct of the deck is that they are super valuable. I want to make sure I find them, but it's also, it tends to be pretty easy to find them. So that gives me a, a weird priority shift in terms of which zombies I valuable, uh, are most valuable to me on the board. That
0: makes a lot of sense. And it, it kind of uh, makes me think of maybe that's, a little bit of my problem with other um tribal strategies is uh, you really need this like critical mass of that creature type out on the battlefield mm-hmm. and so you're like very like you said precious about each one that you have um like like i have a Maronar rats deck and mm-hmm. uh, when you get up to like four or five rats you can really start going you can start going off at that point but um if, like, one of those gets killed or something, and you're down to just one less rat token, it kind of can actually be a pretty devastating hit um, to the strategy. So, yeah, it's really nice here that you can kind of just be, like, throwing away your zombie tokens here and there when you need to without worrying about it too much. I am very excited for this next question. It is, do you have any pet cards that you just can't resist <laughs> playing in this deck?
1: Um, So... I mean, every single one of these could qualify, but I'll go for the weirder <laughs> ones. Okay. Um, I'll go for the the stranger ones. There's, uh, yeah, I think there's two here that I would shout out. The, the first one is, I don't know if this qualifies as a pet card, but it does, like, cause me to do something that I think is very silly in the deck. Um, like, I'll shout out Field of the Dead here, mm. which, like, Field of the Dead is a land that makes zombie tokens if you have enough lands of different names. And like we all know that that's a stupidly good card, so I'm not I'm not sure if this counts as a pet card, you know. (laughs) But the thing that I like about it, the thing that makes it, I guess, feel like a, um, a personal choice for me is that it also inspires me to use not just regular basic lands, but a mix of like islands and snow covered islands or swamps and snow covered swamps, because those count as different names for the purposes of Field of the Dead it helps me hit that seven different name threshold more quickly and i don't know that is one of those it, it's kind of a little silly and i kind of just can't help myself um i don't usually see like yeah i i, I don't know if, if people really uh care that much about field of the dead but i'm just like oh i gotta change my basics like so that's um yeah. a, a funny thing for me is, is field of the dead but you know you know that's also still a very zombie tastic card so that doesn't necessarily um you, you know i zombie making card in a zombie deck does that count as a pet card i don't know um so in that case i have a different answer a card that doesn't really have any business being in this deck but i cannot resist hmm. and that's liquid metal torque
0: yes which, okay
1: <laughs> which is probably <laughs> like my favorite mana rock despite myself uh two mana taps to add a colorless or it can tap to turn target non-land permanent into an artifact in addition to its other types until the end of the turn there's no artifact synergy in this deck i just love this card <laughs> I just think it's yep. amazing because of the political applications that it occasionally unlocks. Like, I don't have, I'm playing blue-black, I don't have that much ability to destroy artifacts and and stuff in, in these colors. But, you know, if one of my opponents is playing a Reclamation Sage and they're about to be able to destroy an artifact, well, maybe politically, I could be like, well, hey, I'll turn that person's commander into an artifact and then you could destroy it. Or their planeswalker into an artifact and then you could just destroy it with your Reclamation Sage. So that is a card that doesn't necessarily quote belong in the deck but personally i love forcing that card wherever i can because i just yes. think it's so silly when you have the opportunity to make political deals like that with other people
0: i'm really glad that you brought up liquid metal torque because i was going to um if you hadn't this one <laughs> it, it's definitely a card uh, as soon as it came out i was like yeah okay i need i need at least 20 copies of this for for everything um i'm building from here on out because just you're right like It ninety percent of the time probably will just be a regular mana rock, Um, but that like one game where somebody you can like combo with somebody to take out uh, the arch enemy's threat or something like (laughs) that—it's just so worth it, so good.
1: Oh yeah, I I think I um, I played on the rules committee stream. Um, and at one point, I want to say it was Scott Larrabee who uh, cracked into Venerol's disc because he was playing a super mm. friend strategy. And the Venerol's disc would destroy everything, but not all of his planeswalkers. And so I was like, all right, well, in response to that, I'm going to turn your Ugin into an artifact. And yes. he's coming down with the ship. <laughs> like, it's those little <laughs> moments that I'm just like, I'm, I'm going to remember that forever. I'd like Those are the things I want from Commanders, these hilarious little stories. And Liquid Metal Torque creates a lot of opportunities for those stories, and I love it so much.
0: Yes, I, I'm such a fan of that card. I love it too. Um, yeah, it's great. And also, I, I really like Field of the Dead. Um, one thing that I have been dealing with lately is, I, I don't know what it is, but they've just been releasing so many really cool uh, blue-black Commanders. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, so I'm basically, like, copying and pasting my mana base um, from one to the next. And it it gets a little stale after a while, you know? I want to, like, spice things up a little bit. And so I think adding a Field of the Dead, which synergizes with your zombie stuff, um, and then using that as kind of an excuse to uh, maybe play some lands that you would normally play so you can get those (laughs) name counts up. um, Exactly. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot.
1: Yeah, it's this little domino deck building. Sometimes adding one card isn't just adding one card.
0: Yep, it's true. Okay, so favorite cards we've gone through, and there are a lot of them. I, I just think fill your deck with cards that are your pet cards, and you'll have a good time. <laughs> um, but the next question I've got for you is what is the MVP kind of like card Ooh. of the deck that you just want to see every game and you're excited
1: about it? All right. I, all right. I will not be able to restrain myself. I have more than one answer. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so like, Lazotep plating, um, mm. it, it has really gone up in my estimation in this, in this deck. Like, sort of just in the format in general, but especially here. Uh, two mana instant where you amass one, so you make a 1-1 one, one zombie army creature. And it gives you and your permanence hexproof for the turn that's pretty clutch because it can save you from some type of you know direct damage effect, for example. Or it can save your commander from removal and you'll make a zombie that he'll eat next turn and then he'll create a, a token to replace it in addition to that. So wow. I've been really loving that one. Whenever I have it in my hand, I feel a lot safer. That's a, a-, a really great one. Um, Repository Scob. Oh my goodness. Uh, this... Oof. Repository Scob is... Yeah, what a thing of beauty. So that's another one of those exploit cards uh he is a common just a little common zombie a four mana three three blue creature um who can exploit one of your creatures when it enters the battlefield. and if you do exploit a creature it returns an instance or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand oh wow if i if i get that card in my hand i feel unkillable my army feels indestructible because i'll play a zombie apocalypse <laughs> returning all my zombies from the graveyard to the battlefield and then a repository scob will get back the zombie apocalypse, which can get back all of the zombies, which can get back the zombie apocalypse. Like, that is just a little common, but getting back these mass reanimation spells over and over again makes you feel just on top of the world. So that guy's just a little common, but he he pulls just so, so much work. Oh, man, there's so many I want to shout <laughs> out. I also... I love newsgraph Mob. I think that's a kind of an underrated token maker. It's like a six mana. starts as a five five, but every time players cast spells, it gets weaker mm, and then yeah. creates zombie tokens. And then it usually dies. Or if you have your uh, your Diagraph Captains and your Death Barons, your Zombie Lords pumping it up, then it says it's a zero zero, but they actually get plus two, so it sticks around. Um, and you just make so many bodies for six mana. I love that guy. Um, but okay, okay. Final answer. I have my final answer. Okay. Again, I told you I'm impossible. My final answer though um, <laughs> has got to be Sakashima's will. Like... So, Will is wild. And I was inspired by the folks um, when we were uh, streaming uh, on our, our EDH stream. Um, there were some folks in chat who recommended this card. And I was like, okay, let me try it out. And it is, yeah, this has actually got to be my, my MVP card. Um, because I know I'm in for something special if it happens. So... F- it's a four-mana sorcery, and if you control your commander, you can choose both of these effects. You have target opponent give you a creature of their choice. You gain control of that creature, and this doesn't end at end of turn, so you just take one of their creatures. They have the choice of which creature, so, you know, that can be good, can be bad, but that's not the important part. The important part is that you also choose a creature you control, and then each other creature you control becomes a copy of that creature until end of turn. Boy, howdy. I, it's... It's such a when you have a board of two two zombies that are all decayed and you're like oh, you know these are just whatever and then you turn them all into undead war chiefs so each of your zombies is giving each of your zombies plus two plus one oh, <laughs> when when God. you turn them all into diagraph captains <laughs> so each of your zombies is giving each of your zombies plus one plus one it's it is so silly and that's not even the only thing you can do with it you can also turn them all into willhelts so then you'll have a board full of willhelts and then you know legend rule. They'll have to go away, and then each of your willhelts will see oh. a bunch of non-decayed zombies <laughs> die, and will give you a butt-ton of decayed zombies. It's... Okay. <laughs> like you can hear that's... what's happening to my voice, right? <laughs> like, I get into these giggle fits with this deck. It's so beautiful and silly. I
0: am... Yeah, I, I didn't even think of using that to copy Wilhelp. That's incredible. Um, yeah, Sakashima's Will is one of those cards that ever since uh, Commander Legends came out, I've been wanting it to put it in, into decks, and I'm always kind of forcing it maybe when it shouldn't be there. Because you never know like what the situation is where it'll be really cool, and I, this deck seems perfect for it. So I, I'm really glad to see that there are so many synergies and things you can do
1: with this card. <laughs> Sorry. I need, I need to cool down after that, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> it's just so beautiful i I love it so much
0: yeah um yeah and and one thing i wanted to shout out was i honestly didn't even know about repository scob that's pretty uh like incredibly synergistic with this deck at just having a a recent common from crimson bow and yeah yeah that that's incredible i really love one of my favorite things about uh, building commander decks is just finding those like little like synergistic commons here and there 25 cents um kind of like bulk cards and suddenly they're like perfect for your commander deck and um that's one of the things that i love about commander is finding little little hidden gems like that
1: one nearly uh passed me by i nearly missed it because it is just a common and it was from the set directly afterwards and there were so much like you know the so so many cards new things being introduced it's hard to keep up with all of it sometimes and you know, looking for these little blue commons wasn't necessarily a thing that was on my radar when I was, you know, trying to find other reanimation stuff to put into yeah. this deck and, "Ooh, are there any other cool zombies?" and I was looking at these other big flashy cards from the set and getting distracted and stuff like that because, you know, then there was a new preview season for Kamigawa also right, right around the corner. Don't let the commons pass you by. Repository Scob is easily one of my MVPs.
0: I love it. Yeah, and you had a recent episode of EDH Recast on uh, Commons played in Commander that I really enjoyed. And yeah, yeah, that's definitely something. Don't uh, get distracted by the flashy mythics. Um, yep. Even though they're cool, like you can still find some really sweet cards uh, down yep. at
1: the lower rarities. Yeah. So- sometimes the best cards in your decks are not the rare. Sometimes the commons can really overshadow the rares and, and the mythics. Sometimes the they, they are the powerhouses in your deck. That was a really fun episode.
0: I love to see things like that. One of my favorite heartwarming things is that Grey Merchant of Asphodel, just this little common from back in the day. <laughs> is such a powerhouse and as a mono black fan myself i'm always like can i play gary in this deck i need to play gary in this deck
1: oh yeah and and he's so silly like i've, I've it feels uh weird to me to play him because i don't think of him as a zombie i think of him as a thing that i've used in right. like my marin deck for ages but it turns out he is a zombie and like i don't know it, it feels kind of amazing when you have a necro duality in play making another copy of gray merchant of asphodel and it's like this is- that's silly, this, this, this is a little bit absurd. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're right, He's just a little common, but oh man. Yeah,
0: yeah. and w- one last one that I also, kind of just while we're on this topic, uh, one last card that I wanted to shout out was um, Distant Melody, which mm-hmm. is uh, for a couple of reasons. The first one is, uh, so it's three and a blue for a sorcery. You choose a creature type, and then you draw cards for each permanent you control of that type. And I, I'm always a big fan of this card. One because it has fairies on the art, and this is the Fairy Talker hey. podcast, so hey. love to see it. <laughs> um, and another, it just this is another one of those kind of random commons that uh, was forgotten about. So I'm glad to see it's kind of being reprinted uh, for Helt, That it, like any tribal deck or any deck that just has lots of creatures um, or permanent types in common, I guess creature types and then permanents of that type are what you draw for, but yeah I just love this card drawing cards uh based on how many creatures you have out is pretty intense sometimes
1: yeah i've I've easily drawn twelve cards off of a single cast of a distant melody wow and that 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 feels a little bit like am I allowed <laughs> to do this is this is this the rules let me do this? Oh my goodness <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's just terrific piece of work
0: amazing um oh, and one other thing so this is a card that I know you are. Uh, pretty famous for, or maybe infamous for, Joey, Uh-oh. and that's uh, Tombstone Stairwell, ah. <laughs> which I, I see it in your maybe board, so I know it's not in this deck. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm curious. Do you know? Uh, it, does it just not quite work as well in Will Health as it does in other uh, Reanimator decks?
1: uh so i would i wouldn't say that i think that this also falls into one of the categories we discussed earlier about uh things that you've changed as you played the deck Mm. um so tombstone stairwell is one of the weirder cards out there and for the record i have it in like three other decks already (laughs) um so y'all know I, i really like it um but it is a four mana enchantment a world enchantment if that matters it has cumulative upkeep that will not matter um during each upkeep each player creates a two-two zombie tomb spawn uh, creature with haste for each creature that's in their graveyard, and that's each person does that. And then at the end of each turn, it destroys all of the zombies. And then on the very next upkeep, it will make all of the zombies all over again. So I use this in my boy Sir Conrad the Grim, which is yeah, a, 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 like also among my top three, maybe my my number one deck. Um, I've got this in Marin as well. Like this is an amazing token creator that forces everyone to make tokens and if you've got a blood artist in play then everyone's dying basically immediately <laughs> if you've got sir conrad in play he witnesses oh so many creatures die every single turn that yeah people i don't know people are just not surviving but since I've used this card in so many of those other decks, um, it tends to be, for, for me here, I'm like, eh, you know, I've seen that Aristocrats-y sort of style in my other decks, and I love those win conditions there. Um, and I did initially, I was wondering, should I also put that in here? And I think my first draft of the deck, I did have it, and I think it would be really, really excellent. But it happens to be a thing that I've done elsewhere, so here I wanted to be a bit more um straightforward so it was one of those things where you know what i bet that this would be an excellent way to play the deck but i'm gonna go a bit more brainless with it because i just want to have some some silly fun playing against my folks or or whatever um so yeah absurdly powerful card use it it's terrific it's hilarious anytime you cast it your opponents will be like i'm sorry what does that card do and then they won't believe you because how can this card do all of those things it's it's, it's yeah um but yeah, no, I, I like that card a lot for sure. But in this particular case, it's just an instance of like, uh, you know, I'm already banging that drum in another deck or two or gotcha. three or four. Uh, so here I'm going to try and make it a little bit uh, a little bit more unique, a little bit less uh, optimized and, and just focused in on a, a more silly experience. That makes a lot of sense.
0: I think that uh, it, it's good to have favorite cards that you play in a lot of decks. But um, I'm, I'm glad to see kind of going back to sticking to the purpose of the deck, which is Uh, to play a little more brainlessly that, uh, (laughs) you know, trying to count all the creatures and then create all all the tokens, every single upkeep uh, requires a little bit too much brain power that's, yeah, maybe isn't as used as well as in uh, Conrad or something else like that.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that you know Conrad's one of those. Uh, Conrad's probably not an end of the night type of deck um, because yeah. Conrad Conrad goes hard in the pain. That's that's a, a deck I have definitely souped up, and I like being able to flip the switch, especially as you noted. Uh, you know, later on in the evening, where I'm just like I'm going to turn my brain off and play something silly. Um, so a lot of the deck is designed to just be like ah, let's just have some fun. So. Doomstone start well on a couple of other cards like that are a, a way for me to differentiate between the types of experiences that I want, even though they're all based around the graveyard, I <laughs> do get to have different experiences with the graveyard from deck to deck.
0: Man, that is the thing about the graveyard. You can do so many different things with it, and <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Endless! <laughs> Speaking of the graveyard, uh, playing this deck, what has been one of your favorite uh, moments in a game that you've played?
1: I think it comes back to overcharged amalgam. Because that is again the zombie counter spell, but it also can counter an activated or a triggered ability in addition to just a regular spell. Um so are you familiar with alias v's um channel the Elder Dragon Hijinx gameplay? Yes,
0: um, yeah. And it's kind of funny actually, uh on the most recent episode when I interviewed MTG Mudsta, we actually we talked about that specific series on Alias V's channel as the community spotlight. So we actually talked about it for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, it's it's terrific. Uh, Alias and um, and Olivia Gobert-Hicks are they, uh, terrific. Flippin', flippin' love them. Yes, um, I And I was uh, fortunate enough to appear on one of the episodes with uh, them and with Rachel Weeks. Um, and I, in that episode, I cast a mass reanimation spell to bring back all the dead creatures. And in response, Rachel... Uh, sacrificed her remorseful cleric to exile my graveyard so that I wouldn't get anything back. And that's when I responded by flashing out that overcharged amalgam, exploiting itself to counter-target activated ability so that my graveyard would not get exiled, and then I could revive all of my mess of zombies. Um, That's that's been a terrific highlight for me, for sure.
0: Okay. Yep. That is iconic. (laughs)
1: And... (laughs)
0: I'm glad you also caught that on film. Um,
1: so. <laughs> it, I, I was like, am I going to be able to get away with this? Is this going to happen? Um, I, I rarely, usually when Graveyard Hate comes up, like when I first saw that remorseful cleric at the field, I was just like, yeah. oh, I'm probably not doing anything this game. And then Overcharged Amalgam pulled me right back into it and put me back in the driver's seat. And so that was a, a, a total 180 of a thing that I was so, so pleased uh Got, got to happen and it, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy to stick it to the graveyard exile because i'm like haha <laughs> i, uh, I uh, did it
0: <laughs> it's so thematic too like you, you didn't just play any boring old like counter spell or arcane denial or anything like that you actually pulled out the zombie that is also a counter spell so
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah incredible mm-hmm. i love that thank you for sharing and yeah. thank yeah, you for asking of course <laughs> Um, so we've made it. This is the last question that I've got for you in this interview um, about this deck. And that is, what advice would you give to other players who are also looking to build a willhel deck?
1: Yeah, I would honestly, the vibe that I've gone with for these is to kind of just lean back and enjoy the ride. Um, there are so many different zombie tribal commanders out there, and I think Comparing and contrasting all of their different abilities is going to be really useful to help you find the one that actually appeals most to you, because, again, you have dozens of those options, but that one word, zombie tribal, actually kind of ends up being a pretty big umbrella for a surprisingly nuanced strategy. The way that Wilhelm plays is not going to be the same way that Verena plays, or that Scarab God plays, or that Gizendralv play, or that Sidizi plays, and... That's that's kind of what I've discovered about playing reanimator stuff in general, is that saying, oh yeah, it's a graveyard deck. Well, the way that a Muldrotha deck plays is going to be different than the way that Conrad plays, or that Carador plays, or that Marin plays. And I, I think it's fun to investigate huge categories that we kind of broadly, maybe we make some mental shortcuts or mental heuristics about like, oh yeah, I know generally what that category is about, but it turns out these categories are very nuanced once you look underneath that umbrella. The same with Landfall. You know, oh, Landfall decks, we probably all have a general sense of what Landfall means, but a Tatiova deck is going to play completely different than a Philath deck, which will play completely different from a Mina and Den or an Omnath deck. So I guess that's kind of my thing is like, figure out what it is within that very broad category that more specifically appeals to you. And when you find it, enjoy that ride, because it, it, it took me a while to find this deck, um, a a tribal strategy that I actually enjoy. And once I did, I, I, I love watching it do its thing. Um, but you know, I I had to do some investigating within a very broad category before I could access that. And once I did, it brought me so much joy.
0: I think that's extremely useful advice and yeah. And, and just kind of, uh, starting broad with the category of like type of deck you want and then kind of honing in on, um, what exactly you're trying to get out of it. I think that's a really (laughs) good way to do it. And yeah, I've long been considering uh, switching from Scarab God to something else. And this has given me a ton to think about. So uh, <laughs> a very good argument towards uh, changing to Willhelt. And, but of course, as I'm looking at the Scarab God compared to Willhelt, they both have, you know, completely different needs and uh, different, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, different cards that you have to play in them t- in order to to optimize and synergize with them. So yeah, much to think about.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Find the one that works best for you. Uh, And sometimes trying them out is going to be the only way to to figure it out. But once you do, I don't know, it's just fun to go Om Nom with some Zom Zoms.
0: Uh, I think that's a perfect way to finish off this episode. (laughs) Om Nom with some Zom Zoms. Om Nom with the Zoms. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show, Joey. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This was a, a, a real treat. I'm I'm again, I'm just, I'm I'm tickled pink when uh, folks uh, are, are excited to see the, the stuff that I'm up to over here. And when I saw what you guys were doing, too, I was just like, you know what? This is fun. This is cozy. I want to talk about some, some commander with these guys. Great. Yes. Um, so yeah. yeah, I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, I've been, yeah, very much looking forward to this and I'm glad that we could make this happen. Yeah. And as we kind of wrap things up, do you have any content or links or plugs or anything you'd like to shout out as we end the show?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, you can find uh, the stuff, the content that I'm up to on our YouTube channel. Search up the EDH Rec Cast for new episodes every Friday. And we have fun bonus videos like Upping the Average that usually come out on Wednesdays. Um, if you want to follow us, you know, social media coordinates on Twitter, for example, we're at EDH Recast. If you want to find me personally, I'm at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. And uh, oh, if you want to see me play, Will Helt or any of my other innumerable uh necromancy decks uh we also stream every wednesday at 6 p.m on twitch.tv slash adhretcast
0: perfect yeah and also we'll just have nice easy links um under this episode where you can go check out all of those things yeah and so as far as the fairy conclave goes you can find us on discord and instagram and twitter Um, we also just started on youtube so check out our youtube channel and listen to the episodes there if you prefer that platform instead besides that thank you all for joining us and we will see you next time take care